On today's episode, Eddie and Webby bring balance to the force. This is the Eddie and Webby Podcast. Hello. Eddie, it's Webby. What's up, Webby? Not too much. Uh, You feel like doing some podcasting right now? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Heyo. Oh, hey, how's it going? This is Webby, not Eddie. And I'm Eddie, and this is our 15th podcast. Oh, yeah. Episode number 15. Yes. Let me tell you guys, this is a podcast that you do not want to miss and you want to tell your friends and family about because it's friggin' huge. In fact, this is going to be quite a different podcast for us. Yes, I would definitely say it is quite different than what we normally do. We normally talk about beer. We normally talk about technology. And we talk about pickleball. Yep. But today, we're actually not going to talk about beer or technology. We're just going to focus on pickleball. Just on pickleball. So for those of you that listen to our podcast for the pickleball part of it, You can listen to this whole thing. You don't have to skip over beer technology. Just listen to the whole thing, and you don't want to miss one second of this podcast. And I don't know about you, but I am extremely excited about this episode. Oh, yes, definitely. Like, I'd say I'm even more excited about this episode than any episode we've done so far. I'm more excited about this than any event that's ever taken place in my entire life. And the reason we're so excited is we have a very special guest with us today. Hmm. He is a world-renowned pickleball coach. Yes, that's right. He frequently travels the world teaching people how to play pickleball. Yeah. And if that's not exciting enough, he is also the author of a number one best-selling book. What? And that book is about pickleball, and it is called Smart Pickleball. He is known to many people as the pickleball guru. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us today is the one, the only... Prem Carno. Prem, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much, Eddie and Webby. Um, you guys are, uh, I, I just got to know a little bit more about you guys, and I'm so excited about being part of your uh, program and uh, happy to share uh, any, any wonderful uh, pickleball information I can to your community and uh, podcasters who listen to you. Well, we are honored to have you on the show. This is a this is a very momentous occasion for us, and we do appreciate you taking the time to meet with us. Um, we have a lot of questions for you, though, that we hope that you might be able to answer. So, why don't we start with probably the most popular question that everybody has, and that is, when did you start playing pickleball? Um, interestingly, I'm originally from France, and. Um... Um, my, I met my wife in Paris, uh, who happens to be a Michigander, and um, she uh, and I, after a few number of years of dating together, and then uh, ended up uh, wanting to be on the same side of the, the Atlantic, uh, either France or the U.S. Um, obviously, we chose to be in the U.S., uh, and then uh, we, uh, I resigned the job I was doing in, in Paris and uh, moved to the U.S. and settled in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle area and uh, the community where we bought our house had five pickleball courts and that was 2006 mm-hmm. so that's uh, uh, 14 years now uh, that i've uh, been playing pickleball i just played recreationally at the beginning to start with 
till uh, the gentleman who introduced me to the game uh, got me to go to um, to the first ever national championship, which happened in 2009 in uh, Buckeye, Arizona. And uh, till that point, I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, and when I went there to play nationals, I discovered a whole range of pickleball. And this was still early days of pickleball in terms of uh, com- competing. Uh, in a in a in a bigger scale. Um, luckily for me, most of the players who actually won that particular year or were in the podiums were mostly from the Pacific Northwest. So I got to go back and play and 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 uh, befriend these people and get to play more competitively with them. And obviously, my skill level improved uh, drastically. And over time, I became a better player and uh, I got a better understanding of the game. And um, and uh, a few years later, you know, by pure accident, uh, I would say um, I don't have a, I don't pretend or don't claim to have a coaching background behind me, but I do definitely play a lot of competitive sports uh, where, where I did have coaches. Um, and so by accidentally one time when I was in San Diego uh, playing recreationally there, a, a local gentleman, um, a gentleman who was actually vacationing there actually asked me to teach him some some tricks uh, in his game, having helped him and and some of his friends, uh, just friendly, you know, advices and suggestions. He ended up, uh, you know, mo- giving me the moniker Pickleball Guru and that pretty much stuck and he pretty much insisted me to go on to coach which I tentatively did not really think I was going to be great at that, uh, or at least I had my fear that I'm not that great of a player. How could I be? Uh, I was a very good player, but I wasn't sure that I was going to be a great coach. But uh, he nudged me, he said that I had all the qualities for it, and it started off that. And so uh, officially I started uh, coaching uh, seven years ago. So uh, And it's become a full-time gig for me for seven years now. And I travel, as uh, you guys said, all around the world, teaching, uh, doing clinics, boot camps, and workshops uh, across this country, uh, in the U.S. and Canada, but also a lot now internationally in Europe and uh, Far East uh, Asia. Very nice. Now, uh, besides the United States, what country would you say pickleball is the most popular in at this current time? The United States and Canada definitely are the biggest uh, contributing uh, communities of pickleball in the country i mean in this part of the world uh, but outside that I, europe is definitely really picking up a lot spain and okay. uh, um and uh holland are two large communities i can think of and i just came back and uh from india and india is getting a, a real real big pull of uh, players in five or six states they're having their nationals coming up in a couple of days actually in august 4th or 5th or something like that and uh, there's a lot of com- players coming in competing into it i also heard i mean i also got to see some of the you know their top movie stars the bollywood stars as they would call them playing it and uh, in fact one of the top um you know doubles uh, tennis player mahesh bupati who was uh, uh who won 26 grand slam titles and doubles uh, is now starting to play pickleball so there's a a big uh, pull in that part of the world too right, right now so i think india is probably going to outgrow very quickly in just sheer numbers i'm not sure about the facilities and all that but in sheer numbers i think india will outgrow by just its population and the number of players who are going to be playing that game that's great 
So you've played all around the world. Do you find that there's different styles of play depending on which country or continent you go to? Absolutely. I mean, where um, in certain like India still has a very strong badminton bat background, so players there play more of that style of game, which means that their reaction time is very quick. Uh, there's a lot of snappy, and the wrist actions are more snappy. It's not more locked in certain places like tennis players do. Um, and if you go down to the Far East, where there's a lot of ping pong players, also then there's a lot more. Um, you know, they put, try to put a lot of work on the ball uh, um, and try to spin a lot more. And um, so I get to see a lot of uh, different uh, different uh, types of play. And uh, currently, I know the tennis uh, people coming, people with a tennis background coming with a strong tennis background are, seem, seem to be dominating the game because there's a lot of that translating into pickleball. But I'm sure as uh, as uh, the badminton players and uh, and the table tennis players get hold of uh, a good understanding of the game i think there's going to be a, a next level of a high level play which is going to happen which would require not only a, a strong fundamental game but also i think lots of uh, quickness and readiness at the at the at the non volley zone line which is the most important part of the game so when i first started playing the game um, I met a USAPA ambassador named George Cook, and he uh, he's become a very good friend of mine. And one of the very first things he did was told me about your book, Smart Pickleball. I just so happened to have the book right here. And uh, I picked up a lot of great tips from this book. Um, a lot of things I'm still trying to implement. There's things that I just have some bad habits that I'm having a hard time breaking out of, but... Um, there's been a, a few great things that I've learned from your book, um, and a couple. I just want to name a few of the things that, I, that have really helped me out in my game. Um, that would be, of course, keeping the paddle up. You're you're big on pushing, making sure you keep that paddle up, and for sure that that is a big thing that I still struggle with. I don't, I don't do it as often as I should. I know, um, but when I do, when I make sure to keep my paddle up, I can tell my my game is improves drastically. Um, and also related to that is being in the the ready position. Um, that that is huge, and then something that uh, that I heard you talk about in your your podcast also is dancing with your partner, um, which makes a lot of sense. Like when whenever your partner goes way to one side, you need to make sure you stay within a certain range. So those are three of the biggest things that I got from your book that like have helped me tremendously. Thank you, I appreciate uh, hearing it, and uh, no matter how many times I hear it from different students of mine it's always uh it's always um validating for me to hear uh, that it actually has uh, some impact on you on the type of game uh i just happened to get to see your 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 play uh on one of your recent tournaments uh, and uh, <laughs> oh, and, <yeah. laughs> and i happened to notice that one of those things which you were saying one of the tenants which obviously keeping the paddle up was not as consistent as i would have wished you guys would have had and yes. <laughs> um and i uh, know in one of my recent podcasts i talk about it actually a uh, patience um in in you're striking the ball and i think uh i noticed in your in your in your game plan uh you guys went to, uh, attacking more quickly or more uh, w without waiting for the right opportunity to pounce on um, so the, one of those suggestions, and I often talk about that in the book, but also in most of my clinics and classes, I talk about it as the crouching tiger technique. It's uh, it's basically 
you crouch, you, you know, the crouching is like the slow game. It's like the tiger crouches, waits patiently, and it's hungry, you know, it really wants to attack and it's, it wants that deer out there, but it waits patiently and waits for the opportunity when the deer is not paying attention to, to attack and be able to eat. And it's the same analogy I have for, um, for pickleball is your slow game is your setup game. It's like you're crouching, you're waiting for that opportunity for your opponent to drop their paddle down or get out of position for you guys to attack that ball or put a ball up for you to attack the ball, but not so, you know, just because that you want to attack it, it doesn't mean that you should attack it at that point. And I think there are a few number of rallies in that particular game I saw in the beer, um, beer, beer fest. Was that what it was? The beer city open. Yeah, the, the beer city open. Yeah. And in that particular one, I noticed that, uh, you guys went, uh, too quickly to, to the attacking mode. Um, and, and also, um, one of the suggestions personally, if I could make to you guys was, Oh, for sure. Please. Uh, you, you guys were trying to really uh, put that drop shot in place. Um, uh, I think the idea was, uh, really, really appreciative uh, of, I was really appreciating that you were trying to do it, but I think the technique behind it was a little bit more, uh, needed a little bit more, um, you know, finesse and, and a little bit more working around it. Most importantly, you had to get down to, to your knees, you know, rather than trying to s- strike the ball, which means that the, the the angle of the paddle goes from back to front, whereas you have to actually get underneath the ball. Like you actually have to go bend your knees and just lift the ball more, scooping the ball more rather than striking the ball will give you a lot more leverage in terms of getting that accuracy in terms of your drop shot and i um the book actually has a diagram that shows where you want to pick the ball so that it gives you more more stability so those are a couple of things i really wanted to suggest so that you guys can do better but i know overall i think you you know there the you know like anything we all have to improve you know it doesn't matter you're the top dog or you're you're at the bottom play we all you know uh the whole idea is to keep uh learning and um improving as as we grow as much as in pickleball, as much as in life too. So, you know, so that's what I would recommend. Uh, so there's nothing wrong, uh, inherently wrong in the game. It just needs, like anything else, we just need to, you know, keep uh, perfecting it till uh, we get a, a ultimate satisfaction in the game. Yeah, definitely. We really appreciate the feedback. Uh, we love hearing it because obviously we want to improve. I, I feel like I picked up your book a little bit too late because I was actually listening to it on the drive here today, the audio book. And you talked about a couple of those techniques, but you also touched on something that I think that Webby and I can we re- can we can relate with a lot right now, and that is, you know, we left this tournament, we got our butts kicked, but it motivated me to want to get so much better. And I know in your book you talked about that happened with you and your wife at your first tournament. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Um, you know, as I said, the very first tournament. Um, uh, was uh, somewhere in Seattle. We went to play, and then uh, there was not a lot of tournaments at that point. Today, you know, you can open up uh, the pickleballtournaments.com page, and you can see probably, uh, you know, ten tournaments happening in, a, in the same date in different locations. But at that time, there was very, very few tournaments across this country, and uh, Seattle was definitely the hotspot where it was birthed. So. Uh, I went to the first tournament in Seattle, and obviously uh, the tournament was already pretty high, highly rated. 
And uh, there was only two levels. Basically, there was one which was 4.5 and the other one was the 5.0 and over. Uh, and uh, so either you had to get into the 4.5 or the 5.0. At that point, we obviously did not qualify for anything else in the 4.5. So um, we tried going in there. And the very first tournament we played, um, I remember as a mixed doubles couple, uh, we, you know, we just tried to hit, um, you know, good shots, but we were still getting uh, beaten. And after the the turn, the match was over. The the my opponent at that point came to us and gently told us, like, you know, you guys played really well, but you seem to be targeting, hitting balls, a lot of balls to me, which you shouldn't be doing. You know, you had to target the weaker link in the in this group. And obviously, in this particular matchup, it was a girl, so you'll have to go after the girl at this point. And uh, it was a it was a very um, important lesson I learned at that point because uh, I think a few weeks or months later we went back to the same uh, to the same venue for a different tournament and played against the same opponents and this time obviously we said okay we're not going to go to this guy at all we're just going to attack this girl all the time <laughs> and the result was very different uh, obviously at this point and we won it easily. And um, even though the, the the guy was very gracious about it, and said, you know, that's how the tournament is played. In a tournament play, you got to have to, you know, attack where you see the weak link is. And it does not matter if it's a girl or a boy, but in this particular case, it was. And uh, uh, full credit to this particular tip, which was actually given by one of the renowned pickleball players in the country, um, a very good friend of mine named Steve Wong. Um, gave me this tip. Um, so it started off like that. And obviously, you know, it motivated us to, to know more better. But nationals was our biggest opening because till that point, we did not know anything about Dink. We were just, we, I had really good passing shots. I would lob everything up because I was playing in Seattle. So playing against um, senior citizens, uh, it felt like it was so, you know, joyfully, I was feeling very good about it. I was a very good ping pong player. So I used to spin a lot of balls. Um, but nothing worked when I came across better players because uh, when you had a six-footer in front of you and, and trying to lob over them was not a good one, and especially if they had young legs. Um, so lo- there was a lot of those learning processes. And uh, then, you know, as you notice, if you actually notice the high-end plays, rarely you will see a lot of anyone lobbing out there. <laughs> uh, in, you, know, you know, as long as it's in the lower-end play, you see that, but in the higher-end play, Definitely not because that's not it's no brainer at this point because they will they will crush it at you. Um, so there are a lot of those learning curves we learned the hard way, but you know it was uh, something which I relished uh, the challenge of uh, being able to challenge ourselves and learn. And uh, uh, Wendy and I actually spend over I would say ten hours ten ten hours every day practicing. Wow. For months together. And obviously our games got better and muscle memory is all built in now. You know, I can probably sleep, walk to a court and still hit drop shots because uh, it's been it's been uh, re, you know, reined in like that just by practice. Sure. Uh, I, but having said that, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't be practicing, but it simply says that it, the system is already uh, mechanics are already in place. Uh, it just needs, you know, just refreshing. Um, and Zelda the cat is a big fan too. Zelda the cat just joined us here. I'm not sure if you can see this, but she's uh, <laughs> she just she wanted to check out the action too. <laughs> oh, sweet! Uh, 
Um, so yeah, I you know I'm I'm really really appreciative of you guys uh, you know making pickleball as one of your your podcast um, uh, and uh, you know broadcasting that your your group because I'm sure there's a large group of people who are you know love uh, this game a crazy game we all like and um, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in person at some point uh, and uh, and sharing uh, court time with you and maybe. Uh, I'll learn a few things from you. I'm not sure about the beer part, but I'll probably learn something more. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know about you, Eddie, but I, I would love to attend one of his uh, pickleball clinics at some point. That would be awesome. Have Eddie and Webby visit the pickleball guru for a clinic? Absolutely. I think that would be fantastic. All I know is that most of my clinics and my boot camps have always been sold out and and filled it to the brim. Um, and it's not. I'm, I'm not t- doing that for bragging rights here. It's basically... It tells something that I'm probably, you know, it gives me some understanding that I'm probably doing something right about this because um, if not, you know, people would not be coming in. If I was a bad coach, it would have been known by now, you know, in seven years. Um, and uh, if I've been doing this year after year and, and been able to, you know, fill up places, it's because I think there's something in there uh, I'm doing well. But I, I wholeheartedly am passionate about the game. I spend a lot of time on the court, um, even though there's a certain set time which I, uh, I'm designated to do. Generally, I go overboard over an hour or even two sometimes. Uh, the boot camps, for example, uh, officially every day we have about four, four, four hours of uh, court time. Um, but sometimes uh, I, uh, there are lots of clinics, boot camps where each day I would probably do eight hours of it instead of four. Um, so I'll go overboard as long as my intention is always to give uh, utmost satisfaction to every student coming there. Clinics and boot camps are a little different. Clinics is a little bit more larger group. We work on fundamentals, really, uh, on working on trying to get them to to find the ideal uh, tweaking on a serve, on a return of serve, on a drop shot, on a on the volleys, on the dinks, and uh, possible things. And then in the boot camps, it's more a very private group. It's uh, you know limited to eight people now. It's on four days, and we basically work on very specific strategies. Um, we have these very fun uh, words for each and every se- session. The first session is more of the evaluation session in the boot camp. The second session is called, um, you know, uh, drop till until you drop, which basically talks about drop shots <laughs> on from every part of the court. Um, uh, the third session is called, you know, being a shark at the net. Uh, so it's uh, it's all about, you know, Play, all that play and how to play, how to be very consistent at, at the net. Uh, it's all about the dink, the volleys, the putaways. Uh, the fourth session is called the building the consistency parts because, you know, from any level you want to improve to the next level, uh, you got to have to be consistent. You know, every stroke you make, you, you make less unforced errors and that makes it a much better presentation uh, when you come to play time. And the fifth, uh, fifth session is a funnest session. Generally, most of the time, it's called Dancing with Your Partners. And you get just uh, alluded about that in the, my podcast. And it's all about partner play, partner communication, strategies around how you play as a, as a team, how much far you have to be, where do you have to be on, on the court. It's all about placement and positioning. And both those, uh, the, both those topics are dealt with. The sixth session is called Take It Home, Baby, and it's mostly all about giving very individualized uh, um, options for each student on what needs to happen 
and then in the few months to go by and then what I really want because I keep tracking them and calling them back and finding out where they are and their progress and what needs to happen or what suggestion I could give them. And generally, the Monday morning session is a three-hour long session. It's mostly play, uh, but it's more a commented play. So I could stop and you know and just give them in, input when they need it, but allowing them to play so that they actually start applying everything they went through the boot camp. It's a very intensive program. Mm-hmm. It's generally for uh, a player who's got all the fundamentals already in place. When I mean fundamentals, knowing how to serve, knowing how to return, Possibly knowing at least know how to hit a drop shot or at least know the idea of what a drop shot looks like and um, and uh, have a certain idea of the game in general and, you know, a flow of the game so that they have the fun basics in the play in place so that when they come into these boot camps, then we can really, really, really into their individual skill levels and drill them. I normally have an assistant with me. Uh, so we are generally barking a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, no yelling, but uh, definitely I, I push them to the uh, core uh, as much as possible uh, without being a drill master. But I will I will push them till uh, they're satisfied, and uh, and and that's a that's a fun one to do. Um, so you know, people who are interested in getting into a clinic or a boot camp, they can. Uh, generally, my uh, boot camps are scheduled in advance, uh, pretty much scheduled in the certain areas uh, through the through through the year um january january generally is florida um february generally is also florida and then march i'm generally in in the in the caribbean like this time i think it's costa rica um april i'll be at the u.s open in uh, naples and then may i'll be in richmond june i'll be in um, kansas city uh july in southern france and nice um august uh vale colorado um september kona hawaii october sacramento and um november tucson so there's a whole bunch of those places uh pretty much and boot clinics are normally scheduled around those venues for people who want to do the lower end just uh get the fundamentals right but well nice well let's say you have a you have a packed schedule in front of you it sounds like it is. Uh, I had three more boot camps coming up uh, this year. Wow, that's fantastic! Well, and you guys are invited anytime to join one of those clinics. Oh, thank you. I, I think we need it. I think we <laughs> we absolutely need it, and uh, that would be great. Um, now earlier you had mentioned um, you were talking about your podcast a little bit. So what what actually drew you towards doing a podcast? Uh, I've been asked to do this for a while. Um, you know, it's just as I mentioned to you guys, I mean, as I just mentioned now that I've been quite busy with my my uh, my teaching gigs. Uh, it it has been in the back of the mind, but I couldn't really get around it. Finally, uh, Randy, uh, my uh, my assistant, uh, who was a very tech savvy person and who was able to gear everything around podcasts and webinars and other presentation uh, got on board and he, he basically he's been on board for a few months uh, with us and uh, he has been pushing for it uh, really strongly and uh, so here I am I've just finished recording my fifth episode uh, with uh, with nice. uh, Randy and um, we've been having fun and uh, and uh, it's uh, it's something which I really wanted to share uh, you know it's an easier platform also 
because every month I had to sit down and try and write this uh, newsletter content sometimes. So it's easier also to be able to give uh, access to to pickleball players in a different platform. And it's also one of the new platforms which uh, people can access uh, while they're driving on a car or, you know, able to listen. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of podcasts, but I feel like ever since we started doing a podcast ourselves, I've actually become quite addicted to podcasts. I find myself, anytime I'm driving, I'm always looking for a new podcast to listen to. And I've listened to all of yours. I've enjoyed them thoroughly. I've picked up some good tips. And uh, yeah, I, I love podcasting. But Eddie here, has uh, he actually had to talk me into doing this podcast because I really wasn't sure it was something I would be into. I I didn't think I would ever be able to talk about anything long enough to justify doing one. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. And uh, you mentioned Randy uh, with your podcast. Is that is he the one that goes by the Mantis sometimes? That's right. Randy Mantiplies his last name. So he goes by the Mantis, uh, Mantis nice. Fly or something like okay. that. So <laughs> nice. he's actually a former student of mine. I mean, former, he's still a student of mine. Um, he's been, he's come to a couple of my clinics in, uh, in Pocomoke, Maryland, uh, because I think he's from the Northern Virginia area. Um, and, uh, so he came down, uh, a couple of times. And, uh, so at one point when I was looking for someone to add to my team, um, I had put out, uh, some feelers out there and, um, Randy, uh, applied, uh, for that position. And, uh, so then once uh, we, you know, talked along with him and, uh, realized that he was a good fit, I wanted someone who had a, 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 a definitely some good passion, for, for pickleball and had some background in pickleball, it would be easier for me to communicate information in a way which he would understand or she would understand. And um, so there there you have it. And so Randy has been a, a, a wonderful and a sweet addition to the team. And uh, he has uh, he's brought a lot of uh, good things to us. And he's obviously pushing me to uh, involve in, in uh, other platforms which I need to to go through especially even videos in terms of video coaching like you know putting out tips in in the, in the video formats um, i have a lot of them actually recorded but uh, it's uh, still sitting somewhere <laughs> in, uh, in some drive which needs to to be uh, formatted and uh, published in, uh, in different platforms so hopefully we'll be able to get that done in the near future great very cool well Prem, I can't thank you enough for joining us here today. Um, Smart Pickleball, that's the, the number one selling book that you should definitely pick up if you want to learn some great tips on how to do just what it says, play Smart Pickleball. I mean, it's a, a great book. I highly recommend it. Um, is there anything else you want to say to the to our viewers and our listeners? Uh, any Anything you want to talk about or let them know about that you're up to? Um. Well, I mean, you know, obviously you guys have already told all about the clinics and the boot camps as well as the podcasts and the newsletter. They could always, there's hundreds of tips on the website. They can, you know, sign up and um, for free and they get access to a lot of contents and articles and strategies of um, which have been written for the past seven years. But having said uh, that, uh, one of my uh, favorite quote I often say is, just go and enjoy pickleball and remember it's only pickleball have fun at it that's great awesome great great wise words from the pickleball guru yes uh honestly i can't thank you enough this has been an honor to have you on the show 
I'm sure our listeners and viewers are definitely going to appreciate this. So honestly, thank you, Prem. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much again and uh, to you both. And uh, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, your viewers and uh, listeners will enjoy this podcast. And, uh, and hopefully, uh, I'll be happy to share more information in the future of your podcast whenever it whenever you guys can and whenever I can. Well, we will always have you on as a guest. It's oh, an yeah. open spot for you. Anytime. Just let us know. Thank you, guys. Definitely. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Wow, that was awesome. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, we just we just had the pickleball guru on our show. The pickleball guru, the number one best-selling book author on our podcast. Yeah. If, you, if somebody would have told me a few months ago that we would have the pickleball guru on our podcast. I would not have believed it. I would have thought they were crazy. And uh, it happened. We did it. Yeah. It still feels still feels unreal right now. Hasn't sunk in yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know about you, but I, I feel like this is like this is a sign that we've made it kind of. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. We have made it. Yes. Uh, Prem did talk a lot about what he does. We're going to throw a link below in the description to his website so you can check out his website, which has links to all the great content that he provides in the boot camps and seminars that he talked about today. Yes, and uh, like we mentioned before, the book Smart Pickleball, which is right here. It's also available in digital format, so if mm-hmm. you like your books digital. Actually, I downloaded it in audiobook format today as well. Ah, uh, yeah, so if you like it in the audio format and not the visual format, then... That's the format for you, and that's that's an option. Go you know, for it. You know what's cool about the audio book, too, is he understands that in the actual physical book, there's a lot of diagrams and demonstrations. If you download the audio book, there is a link to a website where you can get just those printouts or, oh, wow. or visuals that he uses to go along with it. So it's real nice. Yeah. yeah, I had no idea. I, I wondered about that because that, mm-hmm. that is a big part about the book is the diagram. So that that is very cool. I did did not know that. Did not. Well, I don't know about you, but this was an action-packed podcast. So much action that I think we should probably just end it. What do you say? Yeah, I really can't think of a way to make it any better than what already happened. So I'd say it's a a perfect place to end this episode. Well, on that note, I'm Eddie. And until next time, this is Webby, not Eddie, signing off. See ya.